Ashley Pollard, who is a fellow nurse practitioner here. Nurse practitioner extraordinaire. 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 <laughs> so. I was like 70 pounds heavier than I am now. A liquid Viagra that was coming from the guy at the gym, but he really thought that he was doing all the right things. With men, when they're going through andropause, I think we should call it femopause since we have menopause. Medical providers, whether doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, are bad business people. They have sexual dysfunction. That's huge for men in the grand scheme of things because I'm telling you, you guys, that's what y'all focus on. A nut job. <laughs>Hi, welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Brain, the podcast where we talk about all things aesthetics. I'm Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinker, family nurse practitioner. And together, Chris and I own Skin and Tonic, a med spa located in Pace, Florida. We're so happy today that we are joined by Miss Ashley Pollard, who is a fellow nurse practitioner here. Nurse practitioner extraordinaire. 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 <laughs> so, tell us a little about yourself, Ashley. Uh, so I am a nurse practitioner, family and uh, acute care certified. I own the Ashley Clinic in Cantonment, Florida, uh, where we specialize in direct primary care, wellness, weight loss. We dabble in aesthetics a little bit. I'll leave that up to you guys. <laughs> and really just have kind of merged, uh, you know, both forms of medicine, holistic and traditional medicine, so. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, patients in common and they absolutely love you. Ashley does a wonderful job and I love the name, the Ashley Clinic, right? It's easy to remember, it's catchy. Yeah. So when you, you first put it up, I was like, wow, I'm so happy. And I've known you for a lot of years. So yeah. we started working together at the hospital years ago. Did you ever expect you would end up here? Never in a million years. I thought I'm going to be in corporate medicine for the rest of my life. You know, walking in one day, going out feet first the next day, just, you know, <laughs> die there. But, um, you know, going through my master's degree, I realized that there was a bigger need, you know, for adequate health care. And so I decided I need to do direct primary care, which was new and up and coming at the mm -hmm. time. So I did ER medicine for quite a while. It will kill you, especially during a pandemic, you know, with COVID. It was just, you know, pretty much hell on earth a lot of the time. So I decided I have to just step away from corporate medicine and realizing the way that people use their insurance and look at how they, they think they need insurance for um, to receive adequate health care is just wrong. Can you tell us a little bit about how the model works? We have had, uh, you know, uh, some other NPs on before that do direct primary care. But I think a lot of our listeners are still kind of confused as to what direct primary care actually is. So direct primary care is a lot like concierge medicine. So, but it's you know more affordable, a more affordable platform, if you will. So, for my patients, they pay a flat fee. It's kind of like a gym membership once a month. It comes out on the first. You have unlimited access to your provider. I'm on call for you 24/7 unless I'm in a hospital intubated somewhere. Otherwise, I keep you on my phone. I mean, you know, with you know on vacation as well. We have an in-house antibiotic pharmacy. So if you're sick, you come in same day, next day. We offer those appointments instead of having to wait weeks on end to get into your primary provider. You know, by that time you're either dead or you're just ever being sick. So we have that, you know, capability. You just walk in same day, next day, get an antibiotic if you need it. So now in addition, so you did, that's like sick visits, but then you also do routine well visit. Mm -hmm. Routine wellness checks. I do physicals for school for kids, you know, very low cost. Um, and the idea is to keep the cost low so that people can just walk in and afford it anyway. Because realistically, you should be using insurance for catastrophic things. You shouldn't have to use insurance just to go see your primary provider. 
Well, I think that's one of the things, and even me as a provider, like I didn't know exactly what it was. And you, you think about that as being like for rich people. Was, that was always my fault, my thought on it until I got to know you and some of the other people in the area. And so it was really nice and convenient and more beneficial. Like the, the financial benefit is so much better for people that are struggling. Right. So I look at it like this, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think we have to have insurance to get great health care. You have to have insurance to see a provider. You absolutely don't. You should be using, like I said, your insurance for catastrophic things, kind of like the analogy, you know, you pay your car insurance, but you don't pay your car insurance to put oil in your car or put gas in your car, change your oil or things like that. You use it for catastrophic things. And it shouldn't really be that way with primary care. You should be able to have access to your provider at any time and not have to wait weeks on end and have to, you know, have to have insurance to go. So I know it's probably like really varies based on the conditions being treated and all the other things that go into it. But what does it on average cost your patients per month to be a member of you all of your clinic? So we charge like an $80 enrollment fee and we charge anywhere from, you know, 35 for, a, you know, kids, 65, 75, $95 a month. 65 is up to age 44, I believe. 75 is, you know, 45 to 64 and then 64 plus is 95 a month. Just a flat really, fee. Really affordable. Very I mean, that's affordable. Less than a year than what some people are paying per month yeah. for their insurance. Correct. A lot of people, you know, have a lot of patients who own their own business and they go out to the marketplace and they look for insurance premiums and they happen to be astronomical. Like I don't have twenty five hundred dollars a month to pay for my family of four. I don't go to the doctor maybe once or twice a year. This is more feasible for them. No, that's great. So I know one of the things that really has kind of propelled your clinic and that you're known for and that uh, we have a lot of patients coming is weight loss. And so, uh, you know, again, how did you get into to weight loss and um, because I was fat. Oh, you were not. <laughs> oh my God. I was like 70 pounds heavier than I am now. Actually 60 pounds at this point. Cause when I lost 70, my husband's like, Oh no, no, no. You need to gain a little bit back. Cause I was looking a little too gaunt and needed a little bit more filler. But anyway, <laughs> so I got into weight loss because there was a huge need for it. A lot of patients right now, especially with all of the TikTok and Instagram talking about Ozempic, Wagovi, Rebelsis, all of those medications. Um, you know, a lot of people were coming to their primary's office and asking for these medications and they weren't able to get them because they require prior authorizations, which are very time consuming, but um, I'm willing to do them. So a lot of people started coming to me. I give them, you know, a plan. How do we execute this? How do we make it successful and sustainable? So that is how I got into the weight loss. I tried it on myself, did it for myself, amazing results and have had tons of success with it with a lot of our patients so it's turned their light back on it gives them a new lease on life if you will so that's how i get into that what you just touched on is um and we i think we we talk a little bit about it in every single episode of beauty in the brain is like the the impact of social media on people and the way our perception of ourselves and how we should look and how we feel that we should look and like, you know, we all have like really good support systems and I have Chris and you're fortunate enough to have Joey who is like a nut job. So anyway, he is, he is uh, Ashley's husband is the bomb. But you know, there are a lot of people that don't have a, a real support system and they look social media as their support. And I think that the view between the filters and everything, it can be really skewed. Do you see a lot of people that come in that are not true weight loss candidates? We or? do, and we have to break it to them. You know, in the state of Florida, we have to have a BMI of greater than 27 with a comorbidity like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obstructive sleep apnea, something 
something like that, or a BMI of 30 or greater. And so when these people come in, these patients come in and they have a BMI of 24, and they say, I just need to get a little bit right here. I'm like, well, we can do some diet modification. We can do some lipo injections, MIC injections, things like that. But realistically, it's just lifestyle changes that will really help them out a lot because we have eaten to reckless abandon in America. We, 72% uh, of most Americans are, of Americans are overweight or obese with a projected 85% by the year 2030. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. So realistically, they really want to get control of their health as well because a lot of them eat really poorly, but they may be this big around. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they're eating terribly and they have high cholesterol, have high blood pressure, which is leading to increased cardiovascular risk, you know, increased risk of stroke and things like that as well. These medications that we use, the GLP-1 class actually reduces your risk of cardiovascular disease by 26%, which is kind of huge in the grand scheme of things. So, mm -hmm. but uh, the younger ones that don't, that want a little bit of weight loss, um, we kind of just they help them. They want to get them. that bikini we'll body modify. in. Yeah, modify. <laughs> and then I say, go see Jerry and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, I mean, I'm sure you have, but uh, it must be pretty rewarding to see patients and their health change as they lose the weight. Absolutely. Are you able to pull them off other medications? Abs absolutely. Able to pull them off of their uh, cholesterol medications. We do diet modification with that too. I don't start a lot of people on statins just because I think if we just modify their diet, lose weight a little bit, add a fish oil, add a little bit of nice into their life, it just really improves their overall cholesterol levels, but then also getting off of blood pressure medications as well. So I have had a lot of people who are like, my blood pressure is really low. I'm like, well, stop taking your medication. You've already lost 50 pounds. Keep it going. And so they are able to get off their blood pressure medications as well. I know for a lot of people out there, um, when we talk about medically directed weight loss, I think that, you know, what's so popular right now are the medications like the semaglutide or terzepatide. What other things do you offer besides just those type of medications? We offer just the diet counseling as well, just to you know make sure that people are on the right path. Just really easy things that we all know what to do. We just sometimes have to have it tangible and black and white to actually follow. And some people have never heard of shopping on the perimeter. Some people have never heard of you know making sure you get plenty of sleep. Little simple things to adjust their their lifestyle, which makes all the difference in the world. But we also offer other medications, you know, uh, Wellbutrin, naltrexone, those kind of things as well to help with appetite suppression and binge eating. Well, I guess specifically kind of where I wanted to go with that, and I didn't ask the question uh, properly, hmm. but was to talk about hormone therapy, okay. right? Because we talked a little bit about that, and you really do a lot of hormone optimization for patients that are the right candidates. Right. And um, we kind of had a discussion before we started filming the show about how that kind of goes hand in hand. It's very hard to you know, motivate yourself to lose weight or maintain weight loss if you have a hormone imbalance. Absolutely. So a lot of times with women and men, you know, if your hormones are off, you feel off. Things aren't going to move as well. If a woman's estrogen is, you know, a little on the low side, she's going to carry some midline adiposity. Same thing with insulin resistance. It just goes hand in hand with it. So you have this midline adiposity, the centralized, you know, fat, and you can't get it off no matter what you do. You've exercised, you've dieted, you've done all these things. Well, let's take a look at your hormones and see if we can optimize those and get you on a better path to help you getting towards you know, health optimization of your hormones and your insulin because we have tons of insulin resistance and they marry each other very well with hormones. So if we can optimize both of those, we can actually get you on the right path, get you going with your weight loss to help you feel better. So what are some of the, I, I know just kind of just 
limit my limited knowledge on uh, hormone optimization that there have been controversies around hormone replacement. So when patients are kind of afraid or they've heard some of these things and they're like, I don't want to get on hormones because I've heard you can have a heart attack or it's going to increase my cancer risk. Um, can you give some words of advice or, or your thoughts on that for men and women? It's kind of the same. It's, you know, if you do hormones, you, you possibly run the risk of having a blood clot or a heart attack or, you know, cardiovascular risk. If you don't do hormones, same thing. So you can either feel good and do hormones and have the risk, or you can not do hormones and feel terrible and still have the risk. But realistically, it's up to the person, it's up to the patient. Initiate hormone therapy with women within 10 years of their menopause. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, you know, not as beneficial. With men, when they're going through andropause, I think we should call it femopause since we have menopause. <laughs> so I think with, um, with our guys, when they go through this andropause, you know, they feel terrible. They their body weight increases, they're, they're, they have sexual dysfunction. That's huge for men in the grand scheme of things because I'm telling you, you guys, that's what you'll focus on all the time. But you know, I, I think a lot. All the time. She's meaning you guys as males, not me males. and Jerry personally. No, not you guys, just guys in general. <laughs> not you guys, But I, I, I think I think it's a little different for females than for males because females are used to going to the OB for yearly checkups and and for us we're, we're not like right. we, we don't have to do that and so I think a lot of times what I what I see because we we treat a lot of sexual dysfunction and what I see is that guys come in and they may be on some hormone replacement mm -hmm. therapy but it comes from a guy at the gym right and oh, so they God. don't realize the dangers that are associated with that right. we've had you know a couple one in particular that I actually, I was, I was drawing his blood for a, for a pee shot and I thought there was a malfunction with the syringe and ended up sticking him again. And his blood was so heavy that like you could barely even draw he the He was probably doing and testosterone. He was on testosterone, getting it from the gym. You know, yeah. he was on a liquid Viagra that was coming from them. Like, I've never heard of that. So a liquid Viagra that was coming from the, from the guy at the gym, but he really thought that he was doing all the right things and, and he looked great. He did look good, but it was, is there's so many dangers associated with it. And Chris Absolutely. happened to be in the clinic the day that I saw this guy. And, um, and I was like, I need some help. Something's going on with this dude. And so we sent him and within two days, you know, he had got in and saw his primary care doc and was like having blood pulled off. And so, um, so I think it's really good to, that we're putting that out there and that you're available for these people as a, as a resource, because I don't think it's. I'm always checking common. baseline labs just because you want to check a prolactin. You want to check their free testosterone, their DHEA, you're checking their total testosterone. You're checking a PSA, you know, used to be the gold standard was, you know, a digital rectal exam. Well, now we just do the PSA. We can do ultrasound if we need to. So a lot of guys actually shy away from getting these things checked because they just don't want to do that. And that's fine. But we can, yeah, you know, checking labs. with those nails. I know. These are new. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had them. My daughter's like, do them. I'm like, okay. Gel X. <laughs> yeah, we love those. Um, so I, I really, you know, kind of like the way that conversation is going because I know we kind of dabbled with hormone replacement years ago when we were first getting into aesthetics and kind of like everything else you really look at um things that that 
you enjoy, you want to be good at, make sure your patients get the best care. And for us, we realized that I really didn't like looking at all those things. Like yeah. it was one of the things that we could learn. And I'm like, no, I really don't like that. And there's a lot of other people that are really good at it and, and want to focus on that. But the things that I do remember is that it's so important to be medically directed because there are risks that you mentioned that you are associated. But I think we mitigate and uh, minimize those risks when we're doing this in a medically directed fashion. So we're checking labs. Not everyone's a candidate. Um, right. And so, you know, you're doing a, a great job of making sure that your patients not only are candidates, but as you take them down that uh, pathway, that you're monitoring for those side effects so that we're not overdoing any of that. So we're not getting those patients that come in and, ha you know, have a very high hematocrit or hemoglobin. So we minimize those stroke risk or make sure that we bring them back or dial them back or get the appropriate treatment if they are having some of those side effects. Uh, what is the, the you know, uh, would you say that that uh, guys are a little more resistant to this therapy than no. women? No, they're very open no. to it. I think women have been, um, they have the, vaso, you know, the vasomotor symptoms, the hot flashes, the night sweats, and they seek that kind of treatment and low libido and things like that. And my guys, they're more apt to come see me for testosterone replacement honestly quicker than the women are because the women go see their OBGYNs, like you said, you know, they go see them and they say, oh, your numbers are great. Well, I treat the patient, not just the numbers, because I want to know what's going on with you. How can we fix this? How can we make it better? And so my guys come to me like, I have this, that, and the other, and I've like started on testosterone. I'm like, oh my God, okay, well, let me look at some numbers first. And we, we go through that whole entire evaluation to make sure they are a good candidate for it, make sure their numbers, you know, kind of reflect, kind of guide me. Again, you can still have normal numbers, but if you're having symptoms, I'm going to treat you. Yeah, we just, I actually just, um... Your, your ears were probably burning. Had this conversation with a friend of ours that, that we have in common uh, a week or two ago. And um, they, they had uh, seen you. And I think the numbers were on the lower side and maybe you had recommended some treatment. But their primary said this was in the normal range. And um, so then they were afraid of some of the risk and didn't proceed with the treatment. But it, the conversation I had was directing back to you because I was like, you know, really your symptoms are probably more important than those absolute numbers. And Ashley does lots of this, so I would go with her yeah, <laughs> recommendation. Yeah. So I would go back, but we just had that exact literal yeah. conversation that it was more symptoms than the absolute numbers. And mm -hmm. it's important to look at the whole picture. The whole picture. And, and there are risks associated with it, but you know, as long as we uh, kind of understand their risk with anything we do in life, and then these things can help. Um, you know, what do you think is probably one of the biggest criticisms that you hear or that you maybe uh, feel when you talk to other providers, other medical providers about providing hormone replacement therapy? The risks associated with it. They are, do you know what you're doing? What education have you had? And realistically, a lot of, you know, OBGYNs, not knocking anybody at all, yeah. but you have to continue education in those arenas. And a lot of them do, but then a lot of them, you know, want to focus just on OB, or a lot of them just want to focus on postmenopausal, you know, without hormone replacement and things like that. And so just keeping my education up to date, because um, a lot of people don't seek outside or additional education for this arena. They just have what they learned in school and they stop. And it's ever evolving and ever changing. So like we have the newest, uh, I think Dr. Adia just came out with his most recent study that um, I think in his article, I hate to even say this, but he said that, you know, females have been completely misled, that it doesn't cause breast cancer. There's no increase in incident in breast cancer and hormone replacement for women. And that is huge because for years it's always been breast cancer, breast cancer, breast cancer. You can't do hormone replacement. If you've had breast cancer, you can't do it. And if you are predisposed to it, have a BRCA2 gene that's positive for it, you cannot do it. So I think that has been a huge 
turning point is it, recently. It's the same thing also with, um, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, with like prostate cancer. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not that these are causing those type of cancers, right. but if you have a type of cancer that is hormone responsive, Dependent. obviously, if we're then giving it, we could feed that sure, absolutely. cancer. So there are patients that maybe that's a concern, but in the general public, it's not going to be not a as concern as unless you have that type of receptor positive right. tumor. Correct. That's why I always check everybody's levels before we start anything, because if uh, I don't want to exacerbate anything that could be going on. So we're absolutely going to start with a good baseline and continue to monitor. So we monitor pretty strict. Do you have, um, do you work with any of the other uh, primary care providers or people who may not be interested in this type of therapy, they're interested in having it for their patients. Uh, do you have collaborative? I do. I have a lot of, actually a lot of uh, primary providers send their patients to me for this, um, even weight loss. Um, they just, you know, it's a nice round group of people from all different backgrounds and we all just kind of feed off of each other or just help each other, I guess. I should say not feed off each other. We help each other. Yeah. You know, I think everybody can bring just even if it's just a little bit of education at the table, just each and every one of us, we have we are doing a lot for our community by doing this. So, well, we we talk often, and you know, um, it, it's we hear it at AMSPA, and Jerry's been talking about it for years that we talk about commu uh, community over competition, and these and and we love you know uh, being collaborative with providers in the area, and and we've come to realize over time we don't have to be experts and everything, but we want our patients to get the best results. So there's some things that we love doing and we do very well and there's other things. And so I think for, for providers out there that may be listening that have people in the area to know that these services are available and that, um, you know, I think that one of the things that, that we love working with you and, and some of the other, even some of the surgeons there that we refer to is we don't try to like steal patients away, right? And so we send them back and forth. And I think that that's also a misconception. People are so afraid if they refer a patient out to a provider that they're gonna lose that patient, that it's a sign of weakness, they either don't have the knowledge to treat that or that that provider is gonna take them. And so, you know, our listeners, we have a lot of patients that listen, but we also have a lot of providers, new injectors or people who are looking at going into the med spa arena and maybe considering some of these weight loss treatments, hormone treatments, injectable treatments. And so, you know, I kind of like to use us, uh, and I'm including you in this for those of you listening and not watching, as an example, because reach out to people in your community, whether it's in our area or whether you're listening anywhere else, to find those connections because you really can build some strong relationships and provide, uh, you know, outstanding patient care, it, looking at all these things and how they work together. Well, I think, like, when you talk about, um about the the patients are truly the ones that are suffering when you get into this whole competition thing like if i tried to manage every person and mm -hmm. all of the things that that you're really good at you know and it i don't think it's fair to the patients when and so that's that's my big thought about community versus competition is that you know the patients truly do benefit when there's a healthcare community and you know i mean we as as injectors on my end or medical providers, I think that, that that's important as well, that we all have a support network. But when we are comfortable and know that we can send our patients somewhere that somebody's going to take care of them and monitor their levels and get them to a level that they can comfortably be, safely be, and they can have the maximum benefit from hormone replacement or, you know, a, a complicated weight loss patient or, you know, whatever, that's not something that I have a lot of time to deal with in right. my clinic and it's not my, my area of expertise. And so um, I think the patients are one, the ones that really benefit when you have a network of, of healthcare providers. Yeah. Right. 
And although we're, we're talking a lot about that, just um, also for anybody in the area, Ashley does a great job with aesthetics as well. So she focuses yeah. on all this, but she does do toxin and filler. She does I a do great job with that as well. <laughs> I so, just a little bit. No, no, but you do great. Um, so what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in, uh, in this journey that you've been on to kind of start up the Ashley Clinic? Um, just learning how to do it. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't a roadmap as to how to open your own clinic, a, a direct primary care clinic. And then just adding things to it just took a lot of research into, uh, you know, regulations and things like that. But it all came together and I pulled from other people and asked, how do you do this? How did you do that? And we all helped each other. So again, community over competition as well. We all want to work together. I mean, there's 555,000 people between here and Santa Rosa County. There's plenty of patients <laughs> to go around. So there's you know, no need but, but to snake them. We've mentioned it on uh, several different episodes, like because we we have other medical providers on, and we're never trained on the business aspect of, mm, of this. never. Like we're trying to take care of patients, and you're never trained, and and that's probably been some of our biggest struggles. Like you know, is learning the the business side of it, and thank goodness we've had some people to help us along, and we've learned a lot from mistakes and um, and successes. And so I think that is like a huge challenge for, for yeah. all. But I think we are, we are all told this and we've heard this kind of a lot of our medical careers. We hear that the medical providers, whether doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, are bad business people. And that, you know, you almost start to believe that because you hear it over and over. But I think the truth of the matter is now that I can reflect on this and we've been doing this, we, we did make a lot of mistakes along the way, but I think we're bad business people only because we never put the effort in to learning the business side of things. And so when you start your own business, when you start your own practice, um, we focused so much on learning how to do the medical part and do it really well that we never focused on that. So it's not that medical people can't be good business people, but then you have to take the time to learn those right. skills or you have to hire the right people that can do that for you. And right. I also think that like most of us that are in medicine are very giving people and very caring people. Absolutely. And when you work for a corporation, it's very easy to say you owe X, Y, and Z because that, that amount is, that dollar amount set up for us already. But when it's us and it's ours, this one is world's worst. <laughs> I don't know, pointing I'm pretty at me bad too. At giving things away. And so like it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's good, but I think that Jerry wants to kill me. He's like, do you realize we paid for their Botox today? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris is, he'll, he'll definitely get like discount. So, um, but I do think that that's part of it. I don't know that it's necessarily just being bad business people. So we'll just say we're good people instead of bad <laughs> yeah, business people. Yeah, I like that. Well, I just think it, like I said, I want it to be more of a positive note for people looking at starting it. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't think you have to believe the narrative that you're a bad business person. Right. But you are going to have to put the effort into learning those business skills. And, you know, we've heard this time and time again from the medical providers that we talk to that that's one of the biggest challenges is transitioning from working for someone certain hours getting a paycheck to moving into business for yourself. So what advice would you have first? So, <laughs> yeah, it's very daunting. It's overwhelming when you step out of that corporate medicine where everybody else is doing all of these things for you. And then you open up your own clinic and you're like, oh my God, am I doing this? Have I done everything? Where do I order galls? Where do I get alcohol swabs? Yeah, what do I do? <laughs> so you just, you just connect with other people. You just pull from other resources, other people, and you just, you figure it out. Um, I've helped quite a few people open up their DPCs and this area just because I want this to be successful. I want this to become more mainstream and uh, I'll help anybody do it. Um, but yeah. I, uh, 
you know, I just uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way. And that's okay. So it's paid off. They have paid off. Yeah. Because we just continue to grow. Well, I mean, that's what we've done. We've made mistakes along the way and we've learned from them. And, and we hope that we can help mitigate some of those from other people, right? To help make their path easier. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. We can cut mm -hmm. this out if not. But you're, you want to talk about expansion? Are you still looking at that or it's too premature? Expansion. No, we're looking. Okay. We're, we're expanding. Yeah. Um, we're planning on opening um, quite a few direct primary care clinics throughout Florida. I'm so excited for Ashley, guys. I mean, this is really exciting news. I'm we talked excited. about it before. Mm -hmm. um, she's been super successful with the Ashley Clinic, and so hopefully we're going to see those kind of all over. Soon. I'm very excited about it, yes. I'm hoping to because I want to bring this, this type of clinic access to everyone. I want to make sure that everyone has access to this because it really is economical for everybody. And like I said, you know, same-day, next-day appointments with a provider, psh, I would do that. Yeah. I love that, so... Yeah, excellent. So uh, for kind of aspiring, uh, you know, people who want to go this pathway or looking to getting to wellness and aesthetics, uh, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about read it all the time, read all the time, read everything, just read anything and everything. Um, if you're wanting to get into direct primary care, wellness, aesthetics, you know, um, have a really good uh, support system, find your, you know, get your if like I'm autonomous practice. So I had to have so many hours before I could become independent. Um, just have a really good pool of resources to pull from. Like I still call, you know, physicians, nurse practitioners and PAs, hey, what would you do for this? We all pull from each other and just make sure you have a really good network, you know, make good connections, really good friends. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, people that listen to the show often probably hear this over and over. We talk about, we have a strong community here in the Pensacola area, and it's really reassuring for us even uh, in the aesthetic side that we have people that we can call on if we have things that we definitely uh, welcome and we get you know I get pictures almost daily from complications from kind of all over yeah. the country where I teach uh, the Empire students and they're sending in things and saying hey this happened how would you manage it and we all learn from each other so I think that's really important advice so absolutely thanks so much for joining us today this was so, so much happy fun you. it's been fun Ashley is one of our favorite people in the community yeah. and she's just humble and beautiful and always smiling Aww. and you make it you make it easy and make it fun yeah. so Keep doing what you're doing. Thank y'all so much. Okay, everyone, uh, tune in again next week. We look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Beauty and the Brave.